0: I want to thank you for listening today. If you have not subscribed to our podcast, please do so and feel free to rate and review us as well. If you live nearby and do not have a church home, we would love for you to come visit us here at Fellowship Bible Church in Jacksonville, Texas. You can connect with us by calling or texting CONNECT to 903 five, eight, six, six, five, two, zero. If you would like to support the ministry here at fellowship Bible church, we would greatly appreciate that as well to give one time or on a regular basis. You can text give to nine Oh three, five, eight, six, six, five, two, zero. If you live a ways away, we hope you would find a good Bible believing and preaching church in your area to join and serve in and support. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you have a great week. Last week we learned that while we often turn to the gospel of Matthew and Luke to read the Christmas story this time of year, the Christmas story actually begins at the beginning of time and really before the beginning began in eternity past. What theologians call the first covenant, the covenant of of redemption that was made between the Father and Son and Holy Spirit in eternity past that said that in the fullness of time, God the Son would come from heaven to earth to become a man to accomplish salvation for all who repent of their sin and believe on Him. Him. The Christmas story is a story that is as old as time and older from eternity past, a story that has existed from the beginning, and a story found in the beginning of our Bibles when God first promised that God the Son would become a man to rescue us from our sin, the Messiah, all the way back in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the first mention of the coming of Christ on the heels of the fall we have the hope of Jesus Christ last week we we looked at this promise today we turn our attention to the New Testament to focus in on how God kept his promise. We are going to discuss the fulfillment of this promise this morning, but again, we're not going to go where you may think. Most of you would expect, okay, now we're in the New Testament. You expect me to say, turn to the Gospel of Matthew or turn to the first of Luke. Well, we're going to be in a Gospel book this morning, but not Matthew or Luke. If you have your Bibles, turn to John. John chapter 1. Continuing our Christmas series we're calling Christmas from Genesis to Revelation this morning we're gonna be looking at the Christmas story in John John's account as many of you know is is unique in his story there is no mention of Bethlehem no mention of Mary and Joseph shepherds wise men angels there's no mention of of a baby in a manger John 1 is not the Christmas story historically, it's the Christmas story theologically, okay? Now, before you tune out and say, well, we like the history story. We like the account of in, in Bethlehem with, with the, uh, the shepherds and the angel and the baby in, in, in Bethlehem. We like that. And later, the, the Magi. Before you tune out, hear me out. You need to understand this perspective of, of Christmas. You need John's explanation of the person and work of, of Jesus Christ. If not, you're going to miss the true meaning of Christmas. You need to understand Jesus from John chapter 1. To understand the significance of the Christmas story historically, you must understand the significance of the story theologically. So we're going to study the theology of Christmas again this morning, the 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 theology of the Christmas story. In Genesis 3:15, God promised that one would come from the seed of the woman who would crush Satan and reverse the curse of sin. In the first chapter of John's gospel, John explains that Jesus is the fulfillment of that promise and he explains Who Jesus is and how he is going to do just that. How he is going to be the fulfillment of the promise that was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. And he's going to do it by explaining to us who Jesus is and what he's done for us. And then we're going to talk about what we should do in response to who Christ is and what he has done. This morning we are going to study John 1 and explain how and why Christ is the fulfillment of this great promise that was made in Genesis 3. We're going to explain how Christ is able to accomplish this great work of redemption that we've been singing about this morning. I want to turn your attention first to the fact that he is able to accomplish this work because of who he is. So let's talk about who he is. Who is Jesus? Point number one. Truly God, truly man. Jesus is truly God and truly man. Let's look at verses one and two of John chapter one. I'll show you where we see this in John one. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. So, so John begins by saying, In the beginning was the Word, and we learn. Spoiler alert, in verse 14, that the word here refers to Christ. We'll talk about that in just a moment. Now, now why does John refer to Jesus as being the word? That's kind of odd, isn't it? Here's why. Because word used here is another way of saying revelation. That is exactly who Jesus is. He is the revelation. He is the revealer. He has come from heaven to earth to make something known. He has come from heaven to earth to instruct us on the deeper things of God. He has come to shed light on the person of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God. You know why? Because he's God. Who knows the depths of God? Who knows the person of God, the purpose of God, the will of God, the mind of God, the heart of God, other than God himself? Jesus is God the Son and He has come as the revelation of God. He has come to reveal who God is. Let me show you where we see this. Skip down to verse 18 of John 1. No one has ever seen God, the only God who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. The Son has come. We're told here from the Father's side, from heaven to earth, to make God known, to reveal God to us, to make him known in the words that he shares, in the life that he lives, and in the works that he does. He has also come to show the sinfulness of man. We discussed this last week. The fact that Christ comes, it reveals something else to us. It reveals the great sinfulness of man and our great need for rescue. We talked about how sin is also the reason for the season, right? It's the black backdrop of the Christmas message. Sin is the reason Christ came. He came. To save sinners, he came as our only hope of rescue. Here's what Paul Tripp had to say about it. I'm going to be quoting from this book quite a bit this morning. It's it's a book entitled, Come Let Us Adore Him. Look at this quote. He says this, Jesus is the Word of God. He came to earth as God's ultimate and final sermon he didn't just communicate God's truth he was God's truth first in a way that had never been done before Jesus revealed the Father to us he made the Father's character clear so clear that he could rightly say whoever has seen me has seen the Father John 14 9 and there's more he revealed God's redemptive plan to us hanging on the cross Jesus demonstrated how God planned to deal with our sin He sent a Savior to die in our place. There's one final thing. The coming of Jesus preached the truth about our condition. We were in a state of impending doom without any ability to rescue ourselves, so God sent Jesus as the ultimate physical reminder of the depth of our need. Jesus shows us all of that. All of that, he is the word, he is the revelation. He reveals these things. He makes these things known to us. Back to John 1. Notice that John says that the word, the Lord Jesus, was in the beginning with God. In other words, Jesus is eternal. He's eternal. You see that? He has always been. Jesus is not created. Who else can that be said of? Other than Creator God, John is making the case from the beginning of his gospel who Jesus is. That's why he can accomplish this work. Notice how his gospel begins. Let's go back to the very beginning. Sounds familiar, right? In the beginning. What does that sound like? Genesis, right? Both begin in a similar way. We see right here how unique John's book is already because in the first verse in this book, he goes beyond the time of Jesus' earthly birth all the way back to the very beginning and shows us that Jesus existed before the beginning began. Genesis 1:1 tells us before the beginning began, there was God. John tells us before the beginning began, there was Christ. Arthur Pink, in his great commentary on John, says this, look at this quote. How entirely different is this from the opening verses of the other Gospels? John opens by immediately presenting Christ not as the Son of David nor as the Son of Man but as the Son of God. John takes us back to the beginning and shows that the Lord Jesus had no beginning. John goes behind creation and shows that the Savior was himself the creator. You can translate verse 1 again in this way. Before the beginning began, Jesus already was. In other words, Jesus has always existed and will always. Go back as far as you want to go. Jesus is there. He is God. He is eternal. Notice, not only is Jesus eternal, he's the second person of the Trinity, equal in person with God the Father. John says, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Great verse, tells us a whole lot. We could really spend the entire morning just on this phrase here, but this verse tells us that Jesus is distinct from, yet equal to, the Father. He is God the Son. The phrase, the word was with God, suggests distinction, because to be with someone is to be distinct from them. You get that? So he's distinct from the Father, yet he is God. So we learn here in John 1 that... Christ is God the Son, and as God the Son, He is distinct from yet equal in person to God the Father. He is also Creator, Creator of all things. Look at John 1.3. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. John tells us here that Jesus is the creator of all things. There has not been one thing created that he did not create. This is very important for us to realize because there are some false groups out there who claim that Jesus was a created being. If so, John 1.3 cannot be true. Because it says nothing was made that he did not make. So if he created all things and nothing was created that he did not create, he could not be created. Got to use our our minds a little bit, right? Interpret that verse of Scripture. This is not the only place we're told this. Hebrews 1.1, listen to it. Long ago many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Colossians 1, 15 and 16. We're going to be in Colossians in 2023, starting in February. I'm excited about studying through that book. Paul tells us this. He, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him... All things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. Christ is creator. He is the word, the revelation of God, the one sent by God from heaven to earth to reveal to us who God is. He is also God the Son, distinct from yet equal to the Father, eternal creator of of all that is. Are you beginning to see why it's important that we sing songs of praise about Jesus? Are you seeing that yet? That's the first main point here. First main point to be made from John's Christmas story when explaining how Jesus is able to fulfill this promise that God made in the beginning in Genesis 3 to redeem fallen man and restore this broken and fallen world in which we live we see John begins by explaining who Jesus is we learn here he is able to accomplish this work Christ is able to fulfill this work because he's God he's God God the Son Something you learn pretty quickly as you read God's word is that man is messed up. Even the best of us are broken. Helpless and hopeless on our own in complete need of God to rescue us from God and for God. We're in need of God to rescue us. We're in need of God to restore us to a proper place in the kingdom. Mankind was absolutely devastated by the fall. While we're not as bad as we could possibly be, we are radically corrupt and rightfully deserving of judgment. We are dead in sin, as Paul says in Ephesians 2. Separated from God, as Isaiah says in Isaiah 52. Set against Him and our, our, our wickedness with an inability on our own, in our own strength, to change anything about our condition. We learn that as we study God's Word. God tells us again and again. He also gives us example after example in His Word. We see in God's Word, we've been looking at it in the book of Judges, the best of saviors are broken. And there were, there were some bad saviors in there, but still, all of them broken, Unable. To ultimately save, Noah is broken. Abraham, broken. Joseph, broken. Moses, broken. Joshua, broken. Go to the book of Judges. Shamgar, Ehud, Gideon, Samson, broken. David, broken. Solomon, broken. The best of high priests were unable to lead mankind back into the presence of God and provide them with a permanent place in God's presence at peace with him. Noah is not going to cut it, folks. Abraham is not going to cut it. Moses is not going to cut it. Aaron's not going to cut it. David's not going to cut it. Solomon is not going to cut it. Broken vessels, broken saviors. That's the way you need to read your Old Testament. Good, but broken, won't cut it, won't cut it. Salvation is not gonna be accomplished through these broken saviors, through anyone earthly born of Adam. That is why Christ came. That's why he came. From heaven to earth, from eternity into history, Virgin conceived, virgin born. Again, Paul Tripp says this. Look at this quote. The inescapable condition of sin infects every single human being and has scarred every aspect of the cosmos. The only solution was a Savior. And the only suitable Savior with the wisdom, power, and righteousness to accomplish the task is God Himself. Our only hope is if God saves us. Salvation from God, by God, for God, must be accomplished by God. and He's done that for us. No way for man to bridge the gap to God brought about by sin. Only God can do that. That's why God sent His Son, Jesus Christ. Peter tells us Christ came for this reason, that he might bring us to God. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God. C.S. Lewis, in his classic book, Mere Christianity, he puts it in this way. I love this. The Son of God became a man to enable men to become sons of God. That's the gospel. That's the Christmas message right there. Christ is the only one who could accomplish this great work. He came as our only way to be restored to a right relationship with God. That's why He took on flesh. That's why He lived among us. Only Christ, God the Son, co-eternal with the Father and the Spirit, is able, as Scripture tells us, to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through Him. All the Gospel writers remind us that Christ came because He is mankind's only hope. The best mankind has to offer doesn't come close to cutting it that's why the Son of God was born that's why he took on flesh that's why he came he came to do what mankind could not do by doing what Adam failed to do that's what Jesus did for us he became one of us truly God truly man came as our perfect representative accomplished our salvation through his life death and resurrection that there is the message of Christmas. Let me give you one more quote from Tripp. He's just got a bunch in here. I'm just giving them all to you. Hope in the here and now, and hope in the great forever that is to come, rest on one set of shoulders. It rests on the almighty shoulders of Jesus, who is for you today, the way, the truth, and the life. He offers you what you have no power to provide for yourself. Restored relationship with God, a knowledge of what is really true, and life that will never end. Hallelujah. That leads us right into our second point. We first learn how Jesus is able to accomplish this work that's promised in Genesis chapter 3 by studying about who Jesus is. He is God the Son, creator of all that is, co-eternal, co-equal with the Father, truly God, truly man, mankind's only hope of salvation, to recap. Second part of this passage, we learn what Jesus has done for us. So in addition to telling us who Jesus is, John tells us what Jesus has done. What has he done? Very simple, very simple. Look at it. He has redeemed us. Who is Jesus? Truly God, truly man. What has Jesus done for us? He has redeemed us. We learn from John 1, not only is Christ our creator, he is also our redeemer. Whenever God is described in scripture, normally described doing one of two things, creating or redeeming. Very, very simple, the way the the Bible is written in that way, very clear. Creator, redeemer. We see it both here of Jesus. Jesus. He is our creator. He is our redeemer. Look at verses 4 through 5. John tells us, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Last week we discussed the the story of creation and the fall. Many of you know the story. Brief recap, when Christ first created the world, it was good. Everything was good, especially man's relationship with God. But all of that changed when man went against God, chose to go at life on his own as a result of that sin, The consequence of that sin was death, both physically and spiritually. But but the great news that we've already been talking about this morning that we learned last week is that God had an answer from the beginning. God did not quit on mankind. He could have washed his hands of us and said, I've had it with man, I'm done. He did not do that. Instead, God chose to reach out to us again Through his son, Jesus Christ. We see that promise made at the very beginning. He tells Satan, I will put enmity between you and the woman, between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. From the beginning, God promises one who will come from the woman, from Eve. Christ is virgin born from Eve. He will come and he will crush you is what what God tells his enemy, Satan, on the heels of the fall. We have the hope of Christ. And here in John 1, we see this promise fulfilled in John's gospel. At the right time, at the opportune time, God sent his son to become one of us in order to redeem us. Notice how John describes Jesus. He says, in him, in Christ, was life. Both physically and Spiritually, he goes on to say in verse 5, the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. Once again, while the world had been darkened and dominated by sin, God sent his son Jesus to push back the darkness in in, in our world and bring light and life. God is really commentating on that when in the darkness of night over the shepherds, he lights up that dark sky with angelic light to announce that heavenly birth announcement of the Lord Jesus Christ. God is telling something there by piercing the darkness with heavenly light that Christ is coming to bring light and life into our dark and dead world. How does he do that? How does that happen? How does God provide light and life to a dark and dead world? First, he does it by sending out a witness of the light. Look at verses 6 through 8. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. There had been 400 years of silence from the period of the prophets in the Old Testament to the time of John the Baptist ministry and by the way this is John the Baptist we're talking about John is writing about John okay it's not the author I know it can get kind of confusing John the author is different from John the Baptist John the disciple different from John the Baptist okay the author John the disciple of Jesus he is writing about the ministry of of John John the Baptist okay in his perfect timing God sends his servant, John the Baptist, into the world for the purpose of preparing the world for the light of the world. John came to show the world once again that God had not washed his hands of his people. Quite the opposite. He was sent to show that God was coming into the world to bring salvation to the world. Listen, it's really fitting that after we focused on Genesis 3 last week that we focus in on the ministry of John the Baptist this morning because the message of Genesis 3 and John the Baptist's message are very very similar in Genesis 3 God addresses man's sinfulness and the consequences of sin and also gives the hope of Christ. John does the same thing. He came preaching on man's sinfulness and on his great need for repentance. He came also to promise his hearers forgiveness and salvation and eternal life in Jesus Christ. We learn of John's message in verses 15 through 17. Skip down, look at it. John bore witness about him, about Christ, and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me because he was before me. For from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Some important truths are are communicated here by John about Jesus. In this passage we learn that that John bore witness about Christ's eternal existence as God, his supremacy, his great work of salvation. Remember John was born six months prior to Jesus, but here John lets the world know Jesus was before him. Right? He was in the beginning with God. John's already established that, the writer, the author. Jesus is God the Son. He is eternal. John also makes the point here, not only is Jesus before me, not only is he eternal, he ranks before me as well. In the other accounts we learn, many were following John, right? They were followers of John, devoted followers of John. John's pointing to Jesus. He's saying, I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. He said, my, my ministry is to point to him. He must increase and I must decrease. He tells us here, Jesus ranks before him. He is supreme. While Jesus came after John in, in his humanity, he is, he is before him. Again, because of who he is and because he is God the Son and because of the work he is going to accomplish, Jesus is coming to bring salvation. And John 1 16 and 17 we're told from his fullness we have all received grace upon grace for the law was given through moses grace and truth came through jesus christ god has come in the fullness in his fullness in the person of jesus christ jesus is the image of the invisible god the iconium the the icon the representative, and, and in him was the fullness of God, we're told. Colossians 1.19, Paul tells us, for in Christ all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. And John says here, from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. Christ has come to accomplish salvation for us and pour out his grace upon us. He came to do what the law of Moses was never meant to do, He came to reveal to us the truth of who God is our sinfulness our need for salvation but he also came to provide a way for us to be forgiven and restored to God see the law couldn't do that the law could tell us the problem we're sinners we're in desperate need of rescue but the law couldn't rescue us Christ came and he made that message known and also provided rescue for us through his life and death in resurrection the law of Moses again was never meant to do this we learn this throughout Scripture we learn this in in Hebrews remember we studied Hebrews a long time ago spent a lot of time there but the law it properly showed man his sinfulness and his need for rescue but could not provide rescue for man addressed the problem could not provide the solution look at this chart on the screen I came across this in my study I think I've shared this with some of y'all before But if you have some confusion over law and grace and how to understand them, this chart really helps. You can take a picture of it with your phone if you want. Listen to this. Law addresses men as members of the old creation. Grace makes men members of the new creation. Law manifested what was in man, sin. Grace manifests what's in God, love. Love. Law demanded righteousness from men. Grace brings righteousness to men. Law sentences a living man to death. Grace brings a dead man to life. Law speaks of what men must do for God. Grace tells of what Christ has done for men. Law gives a knowledge of sin. Grace puts away sin. Law brought God out to men. Grace brings men into God. Amen. Look at verses 9 through 11. We learn here the importance of John being a witness of this message, a witness for Christ, and why we as believers should be a witness of this message as well. Look at verses 9 through 13. The true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Notice once again, we see here Jesus is truly God, truly man. He was in the world, he became a man, yet he created the world. He's God. We see both. Verse 11. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So the reason why John was called to be a witness for Christ, the reason why we are to be witnesses for Christ as well is because while the world was made through Christ, He is Creator, while He was sent to the world to be the light of the world, those in the world did not know Jesus. They, they rejected Him. Every year this time of year, people get all bent out of shape at Christmas because people have removed Christ from Christmas, and because they say happy holidays at department stores and some parents are trying to do away with singing Christmas hymns and school plays, that shouldn't surprise you folks at all. John tells us all the way back in John 1, verses 9 through 11, why this is. It's because while Jesus was in the world, while the world was made through him, the world did not know him. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. People didn't just remove Christ recently from our world. They've been doing it throughout history. What are we to do in response? Get angry and picket Walmart? Boycott NBC? What what does God call for us to do? Be witnesses of the light be witnesses for Christ in a world that does not know Him in in hopes that, that they will respond in repentance and faith, in hopes that they will, like John says in verse 12, believe on Christ and receive Him and become children of God. Born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but born of God. So, God provides light and life to this dark and dead world by sending out a witness of the light in John the Baptist and in in you and me. He, He also, as we have said already, he provides light and life to this dark and dead world by taking on flesh and dwelling among us. Look at verse 14. John says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory glory as of the only son from the father full of grace and truth this is a key verse in our bible and the word became flesh that means he came he that's an old testament word he tabernacled among us he came he he dwelt with us the eternal son of god who who existed with the father throughout all eternity, who has created all that is, who is equal to in person with God the Father in the fullness of time. He took on flesh. He became a man. He became one of us. The creator of this world chose to enter into this world as a man, as one of his created beings to fulfill this great promise that was made all the way back in Genesis chapter 3. At the opportune time, God the Son, in response to the great covenant of redemption because of this, this, this promise the Father made in Genesis 3.15. Out of a love for His heavenly Father, out of a love for sinful humanity, out of a desire to fulfill the great will of His heavenly Father and accomplish His purposes, Christ left heaven's riches, took on flesh, and dwelt among us. He emptied Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross for us to save us. Believers, this is where our minds need to be at Christmas. Our minds need to be on this promise that God made on the heels of the fall and the promise that God kept through His Son, Jesus Christ, who came as the light from heaven, stepped into this dark and dead world to redeem dark and dead Sinners, Our minds should be on the work Christ accomplished at Calvary in order to, to save us. When you think about God taking on flesh, becoming one of us, you're, you're to remember the body that He took on. You're to remember that body He took on. It was, it was crushed for, for you and me. The blood that was flowing through our Lord's veins, it was poured out for you and me for our sin. When, when, when God made the promise in Genesis 3.15 that he was going to crush Satan, his son was going to crush Satan, that indication there is that it's Satan's end, right? Man's salvation, but it came at a, at a cost. It, it cost Christ his life. He laid his life down. His heel was, was bruised, right? He was, he was killed on our behalf. His, his, he laid his life down for us as our perfect substitute and sacrifice Christ conquered death with his own death so that we might have life that was the plan from the beginning I mentioned this verse earlier we will close with this Peter tells us look at it up on the screen first Peter 318 for Christ also suffered once for sins the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning listening online and you are, you're one of the many that I, I, I mentioned earlier who do not know the Lord. Maybe you're here, you're thinking, this, this story, John's story, it's, it's foreign to me. Up to this point in your life, you have, you have rejected Christ. I invite you this morning to turn from a life that is opposed to Him and give your life up and over to him turn from your sin look to jesus believe on him make him lord of your life today john says in john 1:12, but to all who did receive him who believed in his name he gave the right to become children of god you're here this morning if you have not i pray you would receive christ today so you can be given the right to become a child of god so let's pray together